0: Welcome to Democracy-ish, a podcast about the 2020 election.
1: I'm Danielle Moody-Mills.
0: And I'm Torre. Danielle and I considered going back to our home countries to fix those, but we were born here, so we're right. going to stay here and try to fix this one Correct. and talk about the 2020 election and what's been going on. I've been friends with Danielle for a while. I've always admired your spirit and your intelligence, especially your opinions on politics. So I want to come here week after week and break down the 2020 election, starting with the core question. Mm-hmm. will Trump lose? And if he does, will he leave?
1: Those are such good questions. And the answer to the beginning is, will Trump lose? God only knows. Right. I think that he can actually win. Really? Yes. Because one, we haven't fixed our, fixed our broken election system, right? right Mitch McConnell right. decided that that wasn't important. We're not going to do that. We're just going to keep fast-tracking federal judges and to reshape uh, America. And the fact that He still did a shout out to Putin, who is his bestie, who's going to keep doing what he's doing, which is riling up our social media entities and making sure that we stay as divided as possible.
0: I think he's going to lose. And partly I rely on the fact that the historical fact that generally you get your approval rating at the ballot box. And his Mm -hmm. approval rating has been extraordinarily historically steady at 40, 41, 42 Mm percent. He might jump up to 45 sometimes, but it snaps back. He might go down to 36, 37, but it snaps back up. Even if he ticks off three more points, you're talking about 45 points, 46 Mm -hmm. points. That is an historic shellacking, right? Eight, nine points. And he hasn't done anything to woo anybody who wasn't already in the coalition. He's been actively fighting against them since day one. You are not my people. I am against you if you didn't vote for me. So You had a fragile coalition that was Mm -hmm. actually smaller than the Democrats' coalition. You've eroded some people. I think just there's natural erosion with anybody. We've seen you every day for four years. Like, enough of you, right? Right. But then this is a person who's been actively attacking those who aren't with— So where does he grow— the coalition to get behind him.
1: I don't think that it's about growing the coalition. I honestly think that he is a cheat and a liar. And so it's not about growing anything. The only thing that he wants to grow is outrage, right? right? So he's going to make sure that he is using the immigration crisis that he has created, the humanitarian crisis as the border, as the red meat for his base so that they can see look what I'm doing to brown people. I'm locking them up because they deserve to be locked up and you know it and I know it and I'm keeping the country safe because I'm going to lock up these animals, which is what he's called them. He's not interested in growing America, so all he has to do is consistently go after his base, and then he has his p- buddy Putin who will help him over the line, because the thing that we say here, That we don't say on a regular basis is that he didn't win the election legitimately. He lost, right? right? He's an illegitimate president. But you don't hear Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, you don't hear any of them use that language on a regular basis. He is an illegitimate president. But the fact is, is that we know they will lie, they will cheat, they will steal, use any trick in the book in order to ensure that he stays in power. So can he win? Absolutely. Should he? No.
0: Well obviously the, the no the should is a total no and the cheating point is a total x factor and we cannot know how great or small that will end up to be. But when he stokes outrage in folks who are against him, he's helping to bring folks out. Mm-hmm. There was definitely a sense of he can't win don't worry, Hillary's got it in the bag. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people were thrown off by the media projections, which would show Hillary with, say, a four percent lead, mm-hmm. but then they would say, Ergo, there's a 99% chance she'll win, which they meant, to, but they took as like, well, she's just going to crush him. Like, well, no, no, she has a four percent lead. That's not gigantic, right? But you said 99%, and they paid attention to that, and just the sense that the guy's ridiculous, he can't nobody is thinking he can't possibly win. Mm -hmm. So the folks who, I mean, all those folks who came up to Hillary and said, I'm sorry I didn't vote for you, they're coming, and I would assume they're going to make sure they take somebody with them, because we're going to make sure we get it done this time.
1: Yeah, because if I hear one more Bernie person talk to me about their protest vote, mm. if I hear one more person bring up Jill Stein, like, where is she now, right? Mm. But you you saw fit to give her almost a half a million votes, right? Yeah. And we lost states like Michigan and Wisconsin by razor's edge, right? But you wanted to use that vote. So for me, it's like, okay— Great. You may not—we there. We have a field of, what, a 1,002 people that right. are running? I think right. I am running for president. You don't I'm even pre- know it. I'm pretty sure I might have announced this previously. Guys, I am running. Your Surprise! Wife put, your wife
0: put you in the race yeah. as a birthday present. I'm you a didn't write-in. Even
1: know. I'm a write-in. Uh, I'll be at the next debate. Um, but it, 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 it's this idea that we have— So much to lose. And I don't think that when we were looking at the news coverage and everyone talking about how much they hated Hillary Clinton, but that she was a shoo-in, that we never really got down to how dangerous Donald Trump is. He was just a sideshow and good for ratings. But here we are, two and a half years into his presidency, and we're like, oh, he's crazy.
0: He is crazy.
1: Look, I know
0: that incumbents have natural advantages that help them. But you also can't be new again. And part Mm -hmm. of the thing with Trump was that he seemed new. Mm -hmm. He seemed like a breath of fresh air for those folks, right? He seemed exciting and he was going to do something different. He was going to shake up Washington. He can no longer campaign as an outsider. Mm -hmm. You are the ultimate insider now. So how are you going to tell them we're going to drain the swamp? How are you going to tell them we're going to build the wall when you have failed to build the wall for four years? How are you going to tell them, you know, we're going to make America great again? We're going to do things differently than Obama did. Well, you've had four years. And, and I'm not talking about a mass exodus of the base. That is not what we need. Right. We need a sliver of the base, a sliver of the folks who came out to him. One in ten folks who came out to vote for him to say, I don't know, I'm going to stay home. I'm not as excited. That's alone is fatal for him.
1: I was really excited about Justin Amash mm. because I thought that given his town hall and given his declaration um, of saying he was for impeachment and then, of course, his declaration of independence that he wrote in, you know, uh, on the 4th of July, I thought that he would challenge him Right. And I wanted him to challenge him as a Republican. Right. Right. Not as, oh, now I'm an independent. Because I wanted I thought that he would be the person that could sliver away, yeah. that could cut away at the Trump supporters because he's aligned in so many ways. Like ideologically, I think that Justin Amash is also cuckoo. Yeah. But there yes. are things that I but there are things that I agree with him on, like impeachment. And so I thought that he could be that person. I still am hopeful that maybe the republicans maybe there is somebody there who even if it Ooh, was run one or two him. yes that was just the one 2% take away, hmm. you know a little bit of the vote from him offer them something better something different something that is actually genuinely conservative and isn't just racist xenophobic patriarchal misogynist rapist on and on, on, and on you know all on of that
0: you know you talk about cheating And I wonder the impact that voter suppression had in 2016 and will have this time. And how many people in a Milwaukee, in a Philadelphia, um, in a Detroit did not get to the polls um, and did not get to cast a vote and the impact that that had. I mean, those are states that have been blue strongholds largely because of large urban pockets Mm -hmm. in the big cities. And... When those states go red, I have to go, is this where voter ID and voter suppression, which Republicans have been using to surgically remove black and brown voters Mm -hmm. from the polls, is this where we see it be successful? Obviously, there was a whole kit and caboodle of tools from Russia to voter suppression to Hillary not being the best candidate. Mm -hmm. I mean, she
1: wasn't. No. We can say that.
0: Trump having... He I I am I I I have to give him some credit and it physically pains me in my stomach to give him any credit.
1: I'm on the edge of my seat. What's the credit you're giving? Well, he
0: was a great communicator in that a presidential candidate mm-hmm. is fortunate to create one phrase that catches on. Yes. Trump had like Five, mm-hmm. and it's like you know, like a song like "Single Ladies," which has like three hammer hooks, <laughs> and you're like, Jesus! It, like every time she opens her mouth, you're killing me with that amazing hook. And he had like five of them, yeah. And Hillary barely had one, right? Obama had "Hope and Change," mm-hmm. right? Trump had "Yes, we can." Build the wall, mm-hmm. uh, you know. Lock dra- her up. Drain the swamp. Make America great again. Um, what uh, fake news, right? CNN sucks. I mean, like there was like over and over all these little phrases into which he could dump his ideas and Even those of us who hated him knew what he was about via these phrases. He's
1: a vaudeville act. He is. He is a master magician of the media. He knows how to play to people's worst sensibilities. He is a walking reality TV show. He knows what's going to keep people connected, glued to the television set. What crazy thing is he going to say? What is he going to do next? And
0: media has been his codependent in saying it's not going to matter. When the E. Jean Carroll story came out and I called a bunch of my friends like, why is this not your A block? Why is this not A1 on the paper? And they're like, because it's not going to matter. Like, well, of course, it's not going to matter if you decide it's not going to matter before you start pushing the story.
1: I didn't understand that story in particular. I could not understand as like she wasn't the first woman. She wasn't the second. She wasn't even the fifth or the 10th. Or the 10th. Or the 10th. No. She was like number 20 something of women that have said that the president of the United States has either sexually harassed them or sexually assaulted them. Or How them. that's not news? How that's not front page breaking news. The Chiron is staying and beep, 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 beep. We this is interrupt all we're talking this
0: about yeah the whole night and so who's gonna be one to do it? Who do you like?
1: Who do I like? So I like a couple of people, and it's no secret. I don't make any secret of it in the tweets. Elizabeth Warren. Mm-hmm. I think Elizabeth Warren quite literally has a plan for every aspect of my life. She's got a plan for having a vote. I mean, from how to do my hair <laughs> to how to give me reparations to, you know, how to keep my same-sex marriage, you know, lit. Like, she has a plan Hell literally yeah. for everything and everyone. So I love that about her. I also love that she has become a real personality. Mm-hmm. You know, she's funny, mm-hmm. she's charismatic. A lot of what I thought was going to be pushed on her, which was all of the negative things about Hillary. Oh, she's, right. you know, she's she's too serious, she's too stark. Nobody feels like they can connect with her. All it is is just policy, it's no personality. She actually has grown tremendously and you see it in her poll numbers. She's been on a steady incline chase nipping at biden's heels Mm -hmm. ever since she announced Mm -hmm. so i think that that's exciting
0: i love elizabeth warren Mm -hmm. she comes from a consumer advocate background Mm -hmm. as well as a teacher i feel like she really care really cares about people we say that about politicians but i feel like she really cares about people i feel like she's an excellent communicator Mm -hmm. the way she presents herself is very warm and winning Um, I'll never forget, was it in 2016 when she explained taxation and then Obama, the great communicator flubbed (laughs) it and said, you didn't build that. And that became a whole meme Mm -hmm. for the right. Well, Elizabeth Warren said it perfectly. Right. And she's going to do that again and again. And there's just something likable and winning about her. And she's a real progressive. I want the Dems to put up a real a progressive real this time. real progressive. Because we always flirt with the progressive mm-hmm. at the beginning of the primary, mm-hmm. right? When we have an open but field. But we never
1: take them home. And right?
0: They always go for the <laughs> we moderate. We never take them home. Who's nice for mom and dad. But the parties have have be- have grown apart ideologically, right? There is no real center. It's mm-hmm. not about competing for some back-and-forth voter who's in the middle, right? The parties have gone out to the edges— Go for where the voters are, which is the progressive community. When you put up a real progressive, more progressives will come out and vote for that person. That, to me, is the path to victory. That's part of why I like Elizabeth Warren.
1: Yeah, I love her. I think that she is real. I think she offers real plans and real ideas in a digestible way that the average American person can also understand. She is somebody that knows Washington, but she knows people yeah. and she knows what real people need. And the fact that she has been on the ground in some of the reddest states. Due doing these baby town halls. She's had town halls with 30 people. She's had town halls with hundreds of people. But she's the same every single time that she's there and offering them straight to the point information that they need for their lives that they understand. That's why I think she's a winner. I the, think she's a winner.
0: one thing I agree with you, and then there's this voice in the back of my mind I interned for Mike Dukakis because I grew up in Massachusetts, and we were very excited, and I was super into politics, I was super excited. Mm-hmm.
1: From the New Yorker staff writer Vincent Cunningham, a keenly observed novel of a young black man searching for his place in the world amidst a moment of historic change. Great Expectations is about David's 18 months working for the senator's presidential campaign. Along the way, David meets a myriad of people who raise a set of questions, questions of history, art, race, religion, and fatherhood that force David to look at his own life anew and come to terms with his identity as a young black man and father in America. Inspired by the author's experiences working on Obama's 2008 presidential campaign, Cunningham uses a political campaign as his narrative backbone. Great Expectations will be one of the talked-about novels of the year, Colin McCann. Great Expectations is available wherever books are sold. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring.
0: And I watched John Kerry go down in flames. Mm -hmm. And I said, a Massachusetts egghead, brilliant person (laughs) tied to Harvard cannot. This is John Kennedy is over, right? We cannot get that person to connect with America. And I said, don't get wrapped up again in the smartest person in the room who comes out of harvard that's that's like the progressive thing right we love experts love them we love book knowledge let's get the smartest person in the country put them in the white house and everything will be great and i don't mind that plan except getting that person elected can be hard in a country where half the country is like screw experts screw book knowledge facts right i knew every i got everything i need to know from my gut right i don't what newspapers i don't read those it's all fake news anyway so i i wonder if a large segment of the country will not warm to her because of the because of that i don't know
1: i think that people are embarrassed by Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. I think that people are embarrassed by his lack of knowledge, his lack of intelligence, and his lack of intellectual curiosity. Mm-hmm. People admired Barack Obama. Yeah. They admired his professorial style, he, the fact that he was learned, right? Yeah. that he Not that he was better than them, but that he cared enough to learn. We're in a space right now where this president is so narrow-minded and so close-minded and so undereducated, so undereducated, He's so dumb. that it's that it's that it's shocking. And I think even to people who you know are 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 not the Harvards, are not the intellectually elite are embarrassed by that. Have kids where they're saying, this is the president of the United States with his bully taunts and his BS. Like, this is what we're doing. That's what we're offering. I think that her in this moment, Elizabeth Warren in this moment against that is like, what a breath of fresh air.
0: She would definitely be a breath, breath of fresh air. And I have to keep reminding myself, in spite of what I just said about the Harvard pedigree, we as a country tend to go swing 180 degrees Mm -hmm. from president to president, right? We followed uh, the former alcoholic businessman who who was not intelligent, right, with somebody who was super intelligent and seemed to be super in control of himself, right? And followed Obama with his brilliance and his calm and his cool and his blackness with the most racist person we've had (laughs) since slaveholders were in the White House, right? So Elizabeth Warren would perhaps be the opposite of Trump. Or Kamala Harris perhaps would be the opposite of Trump. Now
1: I like her too. I love her as a black woman. I love her as a Jamaican. I love her, right? (laughs) Like she's giving me all of the things. Her debate performance—I kept saying because I did a bunch of interviews before the debate—and I said she needs to do something. She needs to shine in a way that she hasn't yet because her poll numbers have been stagnant and. We are hundreds of days, what feels like 18,000 years away from the election, but she needs a moment. She created that moment for herself, and she's been able to capitalize and grow from it. Now, she has her prosecutorial record of imprisoning black men and black and brown people that she's going to still need to answer for, but... I will say that the plans that she has come out with for black people in terms of business ownership, for HBCUs, for um, in general, she has moved in a way where I thought she was a centrist. And I actually still kind of do think that she's a centrist in some ways. But I also believe that she knows where the people are and the people where the fire is, is in the progressive movement. I
0: think that she's to the left of Biden.
1: Definitely to the left of Biden. But
0: not as far left as as Elizabeth Warren. Right. And of course, you know, when you want to talk about real progressivism, the AOC wing of the party is not on the stage at all. There's a million candidates Mm -hmm. and that super progressive wing is not up there at all. But we'll get into that on another episode. I love Kamala. I think she's very progressive. I think that she can be a really strong person and a really smart leader of the country. Calculated. Yes, and I yeah. think there's something in her where there's a strength in her that is is classic black woman mm-hmm. that will not have people saying, "Oh, she's too effete for the White House," or mm-hmm. you know, "Oh, she's too shrill," all that bullshit misogyny they got thrown at Hillary Right. that might get thrown at Elizabeth Warren. Just even, and I hate to go into theater criticism, right? But it is unfortunately part of this game. Kamala, the depth of her voice is not an affect. I know her. That's how she really right, talks. Right, right. And it sounds very alpha. It commanding. sounds commanding mm-hmm. and powerful. It sounds intelligent. And not that Elizabeth Warren didn't sound like all those things. Doesn't sound like all those things. But... There's something inspiring about Kamala.
1: And let me tell you something. There is something so piercing about her eyes. Mm. The way that she looks, like the way that she emotes when we talk about the political theater of it all, because unfortunately the theater of it matters. The piercing that she gives when she squinted her eyes and she looked at Joe Biden and said, I was hurt by that. I said, ooh, I felt that. I connected it to ooh, herself. I was that little I was that little girl. That little gr- I felt that. That was Im-
0: Clintonian.
1: Ooh, it was so good. Like I I was in the audience and I was like, and you know, so I'm in the audience, so I'm not getting the camera close up, yeah. but I felt that. Yes. I could see it and I said, Whoo! out loud. I said, like, ooh. It was emotional. Man, that was a moment. And then I think about her and I just, this image of her with Donald Trump on the debate stage, I just, for my own sake, want to see Donald Trump dragged like the (laughs) (laughs) two-bit trash he is in the most intellectual way possible. I want to see her bitch slap him up and down (laughs) the stage. If God would just grant me that moment, I think I could be at peace. That would
0: be amazing. I want to luxuriate in that image of the two of them on stage mm. perhaps in Miami and she's just twisting him around and saying mm-hmm. things he doesn't understand mm-hmm. and he's just like lost and like lashing out and like she's just like like oh please proceed governor just
1: just, just smacking him And I the would head. just the image of him if he were to pull what he did with Hillary Clinton she
0: would know what to say
1: stalking her on the stage you the pivot that she would do and directly look at him and say, Can I help you?
0: Right, 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 right.
1: What is it, what is it that you need at this particular moment <laughs> right are now? Here? Why are you why are you here? See, and this, that's
0: why Hillary is part of the ascent of an Elizabeth Warren or a Kamala Harris, that mm-hmm. sometimes outsider communities need someone to run up the mountain first, mm-hmm. unfortunately get killed, metaphorically <laughs> perhaps, Damn. so that the next ones can live, right? Yeah. And Kamala will see, like, you see what they do, and you see how Hillary felt it, She felt him behind her. She felt that she should say something, but But she she wasn't confident enough to say something because she's the first, right? Right. So she's afraid of being linked to certain things. So Kamala's like, I'm not the first, right? Mm -hmm. I'm going to attack him because I I pre-saw this moment. Correct. So now I'm going to get at you.
1: Yeah, and she's a black woman. And And let's just be clear. She's going to get at him, right? She's going to come for his full neck. Black
0: women are the core of the Democratic Party, should we not nominate a black woman to activate the core? If
1: in my lifetime, I got to vote for a black president twice and then a black woman, mm. you will have made my whole political life.
0: But the Democrats whole too life. often assume we got them in the bag, right? People are like, yeah. well, who are you going to vote for? No, you might stay home. Mm-hmm. So give them what they need to make sure they come out to vote, Mm -hmm. right? I would love to see Kamala. I would love to see Elizabeth Warren. Mm -hmm. I would be very disappointed if we end up with Uncle Joe.
1: Oh, I'll be beyond disappointed. Now, I have said many a times that I will vote blue no matter who. I'm not staying home. I'm not sitting out. I'm not a protester in that way. But I would be beyond disappointed. I would be, what is the word? What am I thinking of? Disgusted. <laughs> um, we're not, I, the, the way in which Joe Biden has done his other side of the Trump coin dog whistle, wink, wink to the white. Male voter, mm. the the up the the upholding or the or the fond memories of the segregationist, mm. mm. the 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 trouncing out of Barack Obama as my black best friend, yep. his inability to run for president and not run from his record, not run from the crime bill, not run from Anita Hill, not run from these things, the decisions that he has made that has impacted the lives of so many Americans, and to own up to that. And when given the opportunity to say, "It's you've had a 30-year career, you're not going to hit a home run no. every time out of the gate, but... Joe Biden, if you had it to do over again, the crime bill, knowing that it had set up the entire Mm -hmm. black community, it had broken up families, it had created uh, more poverty because now we have brothers and sisters locked up instead of being able to provide for their communities, right? Because of the devastation that you now see that, would you have voted differently Joe Biden is given those alley-oops on a daily basis,
0: <laughs>
1: on a daily alley-oop. basis, and he just stares at the net, just <laughs> stares.
0: You know, there's there's two problems with the Biden success so far for me. One is that black voters are propping him up. Right. The top four are pretty much even within the Mm -hmm. margin of error among white voters. Mm -hmm. It's among black voters that Joe had a lead. Kamala ate into it, which brought Joe back down to earth instead of the 20 point lead or whatever that he had. But still, there's a lot of black voters who are behind Joe. Pretty much, I think, because he was standing beside Barack Obama for eight years. And so they know who he is. He's not your friend. He is Mr. Crime Bill. He is, yeah, I'll work with segregationists and not, you know, not knock them off. But the other thing is this notion that I hear a lot that we have to win over Trump voters and or the middle to win. And I reject that notion entirely. We don't need to win over Trump. Trump voters, and that's a losing proposition because there's mm-hmm. less votes to be won there mm-hmm. for a Democrat than there are in the progre- in progressive America, among the folks who didn't come out, aren't seeing enough for themselves in there. We don't need to chase Trump voters, and we don't need the guy who was standing beside Barack making sure that he looked, uh, you know, so what re- clean and articulate?
1: Clean and articulate. I mean
0: clean Joe Biden I said mean. that about Barack Obama. He's clean and articulate. Think about that. When in black people who want to support Joe Biden, he said that when he wasn't Joe, uh, Barack's vice president yet. Right. So here's what they think about
1: you. Clean and articulate. That's what he said. The reality is, is that Joe Biden is a nostalgia candidate. Yes. There's a reason why the 50-over set of black people like Joe Biden. He's comfortable. He's kind of like a blanket, like a Snuggie. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, you want to wrap yourself up in him. But here's the thing. It's summer, and I'm hot, and I don't really need that blanket right now.
0: Well, he But he goes to—the the comfort of him goes to an old idea mm-hmm. that you primary— on the edges, and then you go to the general, and you go to the middle, and you win over the middle. That is a dead idea from like 2000 maybe 2004 but that is not the way you win now.
1: And it's to what you said earlier Tore which is that the middle doesn't exist. Right. The right has pulled us so far off the map right. that there is no middle. Right. We're all in our corners. Right. And so the idea that you're telling you're selling to me that you're willing to collaborate with a Mitch McConnell That you're going to walk across the aisle. Brother, they don't want to see you. I get that you have the same hue as them. I get that you you play at the same country clubs that they do. Mm. But they're they're not into you, okay? He does not not like, he's just not that into you.
0: Speaking of just not that into you, I think the Democratic Party is just not that into Bernie this time.
1: I mean, there was this deep. Was somebody into him before? Well, there was love for him
0: before. There was an intense love for him among a minority of the party, a very intense love. Mm
1: -hmm. I don't think
0: that that's really blooming this time.
1: Do you mean that his mad professor, I don't brush my hair and I just scream into microphones? doesn't win people over this time around? You mean in a field where there are so many other people to choose from, they're not going for crazy?
0: <laughs> oh. I think of Bertie as brilliant, If even though he may not be the right man at this time. I, I, you know, late in 2016, because I was with Hillary from the beginning in 2016, mm-hmm. okay? From the beginning... With, what was it, the the, the little video? I'm, guess what? I'm running. We knew to the Javits <laughs> Center. I was with her. Yeah. But when I heard them debate, I was like, wow, I believe everything Bernie says. Like, I believe he believes it. Like, I thought Hillary was triangulating, like all politicians do. Mm-hmm. We're kind of telling you what I think you really want to hear, and I'll do what I need to do. I was like, I believe everything he says and I think he believes everything he says and I had not normally encountered a politician where I felt that level of authenticity and honesty coming from them and I thought he would be much stronger this time around. I think a lot of his ideas have been sort of taken into the mainstream of the Democratic and Party. And I credit
1: him with that. Yeah. I credit him He's with, w- with changing the party, with shifting the ideology further to the left. I, uh, I applaud him for Medicare for All, for the ideas that have now been very much mainstreamed. But Bernie Sanders as like a person, his democratic socialism, I'm not about that life. <laughs> I'm not like I'm not about that life.
0: Look, I want this show to really speak to Black voters and progressive voters, right? I want the, our point of view to be focused toward them, right? This is a mm-hmm. lens for them. So let's deal with this idea: What do Black voters really need? What should we be? What should we be demanding from the candidates and whoever becomes our nominee?
1: I think, and this is, you know. The black census uh, came out a couple of uh, months ago by the by, uh, Black Futures Lab. And it's the first census done on black people in like 154 years. And the top things that black people say in this census that they need is economic security, right? A living minimum wage job, $15 an hour, is what people need, yeah. what they require. Health care, is what Black folks have said that they need. Why? Because we're still plagued with diabetes, hypertension, uh, depression. Yep. Um, yep. Black women's, you know, maternity mortality rate, the way in which our health has been consistently uh, ignored. The homicide really, rate. Really, the homicide rate. So healthcare is incredibly important, and people say that they need, that they need that. I also think that climate change is a very people. big deal for isn't black a, people. Isn't that some white shit? <laughs> um, Tell me where I I'm I mean, wrong. I will say that the white shit is white people wanting to hug trees and not right. black people with asthma. Right. But <laughs> I do believe because our community tends to live in areas that are underdeveloped, that where diesel bus buses are still coming through that don't have trees, that don't have green spaces, that are riddled with litter because there is no investment made for sanitary uh, pickup, where you're in the flints of the world where you can be poisoned to death and, and don't have clean water and, and no one care, right? And the government actually poisoning you. So I do think that climate change, you're seeing, you know, we have hurricanes again coming, cycling through New Orleans and places where people have still been placed you know 10 plus years after katrina so i do think that climate change and what is happening is affecting black people Absolutely. and poor black people more so than we care to think about or care to have conversations about because it's always white folks that are having if we, that are setting the stage for those convo.
0: if we have a diasporic outlook which many of us do the coming climate apocalypse will have a greater impact on someplace like Africa yep. and Asia.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: America will always have enough food, right? Mm-hmm. America will always produce enough food, no matter even if the sun disappears, right? We'll, we have corporations that will find a way to continue to feed us. But smaller, poorer African nations will mm-hmm. not be able to adjust when temperatures go up and they cannot Im- import mm-hmm. or make food. And you'll start to see mass migration yeah. to Europe and to America. Yeah. So that's how it will start, like m- millions of Africans mm-hmm. saying, I need to move to America, France, England, somewhere else, because Africa is not... Because it's uninhabitable. In- it, it's uninhabitable. Yeah. And that will start to become a greater issue for us in terms of how the climate issue plays out mm-hmm. for black and brown people. Um, for me, the biggest issue for black people... And this has been, for me, the biggest issue for many years is the war on drugs Mm. and the massive tentacles of impacts that that has from over-policing to over-arresting, over-incarcerating, and the breakup of families, the loss of jobs, uh, you know, all sorts of things. Just even the loss of community. Like, if you know people from the hood... They don't trust you unless they've known you for like 10 or 20 years. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Other than that, you're new and arm's length and I ain't got time for you. And I fully understand that because you don't know who could be snitching, who could be (laughs) sent back for, you know, they got arrested. Now they're back in the hood trying to catch somebody else. That's a breakdown of community and your ability to function in society. And all of that, I think, stems from the war on drugs. I need to see somebody dealing with that and like tell us. We will pull back the tankers because basically we have occupied communities, right? You know that you could send the police or undercovers to any college campus and catch tons of drug How about you users. How just send them to Wall Street? Or Wall Street, no doubt. Users, abusers, mm-hmm. sellers, They're everywhere. They don't just live in black and brown communities. Right. So ending the war on drugs, perhaps even expanding legalization, because I don't necessarily want people to get high more, and they show legalization does not lead to that, but I want people to not be sent to jail for small amounts. And the notion that children will be getting high in an era of mass legalization is completely backwards, right? Because right now we have un- uh uh, unscrupulous right unfettered quite often unregulated people who are doling out the drugs right when the drug dealer on the corner or the guy who comes by with his bike because he's you know working at he's at going to school at bennington and delivering weed he's not asking you how old you are he's asking if you got enough for the bag
1: Mm -hmm. if
0: when you have a store you ever been in a dispensary
1: Mm -hmm.
0: you have to show id to get in there yeah. You gotta be on point. They are not losing their lives and they're not selling to anybody they shouldn't sell to. So the notion that it's not going to be it's going to be sold to children, that I completely reject that as not based in reality. I want mass legalization to protect people who are getting swept under the rug by the war on drugs.
1: I want, let me tell you something. If I pass one more CBD fucking store in New York City (laughs) selling me this calming ointment while there are black and brown people that are still in jail serving 10 and 20 years for dime bags of marijuana, but now white people are making millions of dollars while black people are still in prison, and I get another fucking article sent to me by Forbes talking about the new wave of weed. And how, again, we're making white people rich off of black bodies, like that's not acceptable to me. So when we talk about the war on drugs and that being something that is very real and that has devastated our communities, how can we even have conversations about the expansion of legalization when there are people that are still incarcerated because they had a dime bag? Amen. Amen.
0: From Foreign Policy, I'm Rena Ninan, the host of the Hidden Economics of Remarkable Women. Over the past few years, we've looked at how women around the world are changing societal norms to increase their economic power. This season, we're focusing completely on girls, how they're pushing for a brighter, more powerful future, and what the rest of us can do to set them up for success. Join us for stories about girl power, young women who are fighting for change, to give themselves a chance to live a life of their own choosing. That's season six of The Hidden Economics of Remarkable
1: Women, wherever you get your podcasts.
0: All right, I'm all riled up now. My (laughs) spine is hot. But this is great. I love talking to you. Thank you for listening to Democracy-ish. We'll be back next week to help you get through this crazy election, unless we
1: get swept up in an ice raid. (laughs) Unless that happens. It might
0: happen. I don't know. I'm Tore.
1: And I'm Danielle Moody Mills.
0: And we'll see you next week.
1: Fantastic.